My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, o Lord. When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph took Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the dictate and the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself, a sword, will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Last Sunday night, as I was preparing for our Sunday evening Mass on campus at Montclair State University, where I'm a campus minister, I saw the news breaking about Kobe Bryant, the NBA all-star for the Los Angeles Lakers, being killed in a helicopter crash along with his 13-year-old daughter and seven other passengers. And even those who aren't sports fans or follow basketball all seemed absorbed by this tragic story all week. The shock of such an 
unpredictable event, just this horrible, horrible accident, seemed to catch the nation's, even the world's attention in a way that even seemed to transcend the usual news of the death of a celebrity. That was obvious at the Grammy Awards that were held just a a few hours after this news was confirmed in the very city in the arena, the Staples Center in Los Angeles, where Kobe played his entire career. At the start of the ceremony, the singer Alicia Keys, visibly saddened and, and shaken by the news, expressed how she could never have imagined having to open what's usually this high energy and upbeat program with such heavy, devastating news. She was joined on stage by the hip-hop group Boys to Men singing their song, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye, which took on an incredibly somber tone. And you had to admire her poise and the way she was able to lead thousands of people who were still in shock themselves and trying to process the whole thing in real time right on air and television. At the end of the song, Keys offered these words. She said, we love you, Kobe, and I know what we're going to do, what we're here to do. We're joined together in happy times and challenging times. We're going to sing together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to dance together. We're going to cry together. We're going to bring it all together. We're going to love together. We're going to make sure that we're celebrating the most powerful energy, the most beautiful thing in the world, the one thing that has the power to bring us all together, and that's music. It's the most healing thing in the world. And while I was really moved by Key's speaking and performing under such difficult circumstances, that last part left me a bit startled. While I could appreciate that that Keyes wanted to be inclusive and sensitive to the many people who knew Kobe in that arena or admired him from afar and were still processing this tragedy and not to diminish the, the beauty of what music really is and what it can do for people, there's a limit to the impact that music has over people. We might be soothed and comforted by music. We can have our anxiety diminished and sadness invaded by music. But when the music ends, the harsh truth of Kobe's death and any other thing that people are struggling with, it would still be there. So what then? Those thoughts were on my mind and heart all week as I was reflecting on these readings for today's Mass. Today, the church officially and finally closes the Christmas season. Every year on February 2nd, which is 40 days from Christmas Day, the church recalls a very important day in the life of Jesus. When Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to be consecrated to the Lord. Here they're entering this most sacred place, probably filled with lots of people who had come for a variety of reasons. Some were on pilgrimage. Some were there for their daily prayer. There were people that were celebrating and in happy spirits, as well as others who were dealing with profound sadness. All of them found themselves in God's temple. So Mary and Joseph are just two more observant, faithful Jews entering this crowded space, looking simply to fulfill what they knew 
was an important ritual. But immediately it proves much more dramatic and takes on a much deeper meaning. And that's what we heard in today's Gospel passage. For Simeon and then Anna, two holy individuals, two people who had seen and had experienced themselves a great variety of joys and sorrows throughout their lives. Whether it was on a global level with the sufferings of humanity, or even on a much more personal level in their own lives, as St. Luke offers specific detail about Anna, who had only been married seven years and widowed ever since to this advanced age of 84. In her grief and in her mourning, she had consigned herself to the temple. As the gospel puts it, she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day with fasting and with prayer. Both Simeon and Anna are described independently as awaiting. They're looking for something. They're seeking something. They desired consolation and restoration. They were longing for fulfillment. They awaited and hoped for redemption. Of all the people that crowded that temple that morning, with all their own different emotions and prayerful intentions and their own burdens and cares, Simeon and Anna, these two holy and devout elderly Jews, are the only ones to notice Jesus' arrival. They who had it placed on their hearts by the Lord, that they would see God's promises fulfilled, are the ones who not only notice Jesus' arrival, but then give thanks and praise and announce the good news that salvation has come, not just for them, not just for their fellow Jews, but for all the peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, meaning the non-Jewish world, and the glory of the people Israel, the fulfillment of the entirety of the Old Testament. No, Jesus' arrival isn't meant to give some false hope that bad things won't still happen in the world. Simeon looks right to the Blessed Virgin Mary, Jerry, Jesus' mother, and tells her of future sorrows in the world with the fall and rise of many, noting the opposition that Jesus will face, that Mary herself will experience suffering so great it will pierce her very heart. But then Anna comes forward and she quickly brings true comfort to those words as she points past that sadness to the fact that in Jesus there's hope, there's life, there's a redemption that surpasses anything we encounter and experience in the day-to-day in this world of ours. Jesus still offers us that, that true eternal hope. His presence in this temple, His presence in the temple of each of our bodies, is meant not just to bring us comfort with those assurances, but the temple of the church And our individual temples are meant to shine that light of salvation to all peoples, to those who are lost, to those who are helpless and hopeless, to those who suffer, to those who mourn. Jesus' light continues to cast His eternal love and light 
into the darkness that we experience and bring more than healing, but fullness of life and redemption. Not long after I saw that clip of Alicia Keys with her tribute to Kobe Bryant, a priest friend of mine who is a fellow campus minister up at Boston University posted this note on his Facebook wall. He wrote, as sad as Kobe's death is, a friend of mine texted me today to tell me that a friend of hers attends the same Catholic church as Kobe and saw him this morning at mass with his daughter. There could be nothing more consoling to those who mourn than to know that a loved one worshiped God right before his death because worshiping God is what heaven is. The priests at Our Lady of the Angels Cathedral in Los Angeles corroborated that story. Kobe Bryant and his daughter, who were both Catholic, had been at the cathedral at 7 a.m. that Sunday morning. They received the same Jesus that Simeon and Anna held in their arms and made their proclamations about thousands of years earlier in today's gospel. Jesus is as real and present in that Eucharist. They had come to know and believe and received him here on earth. And we pray to God for them and all the other victims of that crash, that Jesus has now received them into his eternal kingdom of heaven. But in receiving him, one of Kobe's last acts and one of ours here today is to testify and to witness to the world that, no, the, the most powerful and the most beautiful and the source of all healing isn't music, it's Jesus. It's in receiving and welcoming him into our lives that makes it possible that even in death, we never have to experience how hard it is to say goodbye.